You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 103. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should do. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. And today's episode is titled, How to Access the Power of the Market. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss this because we're going to concentrate on one topic that's going to change your investing experience. And trust me, again, there is power in the stock market, but how do we access that? We'll get to it in just a minute. But before we get going, I want to talk about one thing, puppies. Why do I want to talk about puppies? Because our family just got a puppy. And let me tell you, my oldest daughter right now, not my oldest, my youngest daughter, well, she is eight years old. So I'm far removed from remembering what it was like to parent an infant. I have an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a 20-year-old. It's been a while. But one thing I do remember, I remember when my youngest was born, my next youngest, Grace, she had hand, foot, and mouth disease at the same time. I know, (laughs) hand, foot, and mouth sounds bad. It's not as bad as you might think, but it makes a a baby, or at that time, my Grace was just under two years old, makes them miserable. So here we are bringing Eva home from the hospital and our not even two-year-old having hand, foot, and mouth. My wife and I literally, I don't think we slept for three days. I know we didn't really talk to each other besides stuff that we needed to talk to about the sickness or the little infant, Eva. That's it. I mean, we... We were both what appeared to be some sort of deep depression or something because the life was just taken out of us. Now, I'm not saying our puppy, by the way, puppy's name is Dixie, our little girl puppy who's two months and three days old. We picked her up just a couple of days ago. I'm not saying it's like that, but we've been sleep deprived. We've had our world turned upside down because of this puppy, and we love this puppy, but I'm telling you what, it was not my idea to get the puppy, but when you live in a house full of girls, all dog lovers, eventually you have to give in. And you'd think we'd get a boy puppy so I could have another, you know, some other other boy in the household. But no, we got a girl. So once again, I am covered in girls. Pray for me and pray for this puppy because it's going to be a long road, I do believe. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Topic of the day, how to access the power 
of the stock market. Quite a title. I'd like to know how. Took me a long time to figure out how. So let's try and unpack this in a hopefully easy to understand way so that you can look at the stock market unlike you ever have before. First, we got to go to the beginning. Like, How do markets work? Any markets, not just the stock market, but any market. Well, let me think of the, a simple exa- example of how a market might work. I was at a financial advisor conference. There was a jar of jelly beans in front of the room. And everybody was asked to estimate the number of jelly beans in the jar. I know you've all been through this before, probably been uh, to, the, to the fair or something or maybe a school event where you, you were asked to guess how many pennies were in the jar, how many M&Ms were in the jar. Well, we had jelly beans. And everybody was asked to write the number of jelly beans on a piece of paper. And here's the range of returns that we got, the range of guesses. The lowest, the person who guessed the lowest amount, that person guessed 409 jelly beans. All the way up to the person who guessed the highest amount, which was 5,365 jelly beans. So it's just going to show you that when you look at a big jar of jelly beans, it's really difficult to figure out how many there are. I mean, how do we get a range from 409 to 5,365? That's pretty crazy. But if we, we add up all of the guesses and divide by the number of participants, the average, okay? This is kind of going back last week to the stock market. Stock market averaging 10.02%. But we have 92 years worth of stock market history. And if you have not listened, please listen to last week's episode, episode number 102. You can get there by going to bestinwealth.com slash 102. But let's get back to the jelly beans. All this range, the average guess was 1,653. You want to know what the actual number of jelly beans were in the jar? Oh, man, this is going to blow your mind. Well, it blew my mind. 1,670 jelly beans. So here we were with a range of 409 to over 5,300 with the average being 1,060 or 1,653 and the actual being so close within 17 jelly beans, 1,670. Unbelievable. That, my friends, is a simple example of how a market works. It shows how the collective knowledge can come together and be more powerful than the knowledge of just any one person. This experiment I gave you through the jelly beans, it's been repeated. And the average of all the guesses is usually, not always, but usually very close to the actual count. Again, the principle is the combined intelligence of a group is better than the knowledge of one person. That makes sense. I hope. Does it make sense to you? Because it makes sense to me. Together, we know more than we do alone. Let's look at 
Another market example of pricing. Let's use fish as an example. I mean, if you eat fish, if you buy fish at the supermarket, you know that there is a fluctuation in fish price. The daily price of fish may vary based on buyer and seller expectations of market forces. And you know what? We accept the price as an accurate estimate of the current value and make decisions accordingly. Do we buy or do we not buy that piece of fish today? Back in 1992, I spent three months in Alaska going to strike it rich. And I don't know if I told this story again, but that's for another day. I didn't get rich, but I did work in a fish cannery where we gutted fish for over three months while I was living in a tent. I know, I know. You can't make this stuff up. It's true. But for a week when we were there, mostly we were working the salmon run, but for a week there was a 24-hour period, and I don't know what the rules are now, where halibut fishing in Alaska was legal. And in that 24-hour period, these these big fishing boats were getting just thousands of pounds of halibut, and they'd bring it back to this fish this fish processing plant and we processed the fish for almost a week at 18 hours a day working so around that time and i think at that point in time there were two 24-hour periods in alaska during the year that you could commercial fish this halibut i'm sure the rules have changed now but think of it for a second all of a sudden there's a glut of halibut on the market you'd think that the price of halibut would go down why because the supply is greater it makes sense and as we go through the year halibut might become more and more expensive the scarcer it gets and the same is true for any fish it makes sense you could apply that to strawberries strawberries are in season right now strawberries are super cheap a few months ago in winter, they were four or five times the price and they tasted horrible. Supply and demand. Market, the market is setting the price. And what do markets do? They adjust to future events. I mean, if you think about the orange juice price or the price of orange juice, it changes and you're going along and it's maybe changing a little bit. But if you were to buy orange juice futures, which you can, by the way, I don't think you should, but you can. Well, in 2002, orange juice futures were going along and then all of a sudden, wham, a fungicide fear occurred and the prices surged. And when prices go up, they go up in an instant. We react to prices so slow compared to the market by the time you wake up the next day and start reading about orange juice futures the price the new price is already adjusted in you know we see something on the news of a, of a hot stock to buy 12 hours or four hours after a news event and somehow we think we got the upper leg on someone and we should go purchase that particular stock you know sometimes we'll read about it weeks later in a magazine and when magazines are printing something, they're talking about stuff that happened a couple of months ago. We think we have info others don't. Well, guess again. So two things I want you to take away from our examples so far. Number one, 
when market forces are at play, the combined knowledge of everyone has to be more than any one person trying to predict where the market is headed next. Because think about that in the stock price, my friends. I mean, listen, listen to this. This is, it's, it's so basic. If, if you're looking at a stock price of any one stock, any one company, that company stock, the price, let's say it's $12 on the stock market. That $12 represents the combined knowledge of everyone. Some think it's underpriced. Some people think it's overpriced. And trades happen over and over again. And these market forces drive that stock price, maybe not to its true intrinsic value, but to a price that's fair, to a price that represents everybody's opinion about that stock. And when I say everybody, listen to this. In the year 2016, I don't have 2017 numbers. Do you want to get blown away? And on the world stock exchanges, you are, do you want to know how many trades were done on average on a daily basis? 82.7 million. Think about that for a second. 82.7 million trades a day that on average equaled $346.4 billion trading hands every day, buyers and sellers. This isn't any different than guessing about the jelly bean. There are people on those 82 million trades that think a particular company is totally underpriced, so I'm going to buy it because the stock is going to shoot up. And there are people on the other end of the spectrum that think it's totally overpriced, and they got to sell at all costs. And they got to sell at all costs. And when you have this market being an effective information processing machine, think about that for a second, an effective information processing machine, that's what the jelly beans was. If I were just to guess how many jelly beans were in the jar, I most likely would not come anywhere near the average. But because there were so many people, and in this jelly bean example, there were several hundred. So many people guessing that the market forces, everybody's guess, drove the average guess very close to the actual price or to the actual number of jelly beans. In the jelly bean example, though, we know the actual number of jelly beans because we're able to count them up. In the stock market, we don't really know the intrinsic value of a price of a stock. I mean, we can add up the equity in the company. You know, when I say that, the book value. If they had to sell everything today, how much is it worth? including their patents and their buildings and everything else. So there's a book value. And then, and then we guess at the expectations on how the company is going to do moving forward. And then finally, we got to back it up a little bit so, so that you can actually get a return on your investment. I mean, there's three things at play. 
And that value is changing and expectations every, we don't know how the company's actually going to do. But just like the jelly beans, the market is an information processing machine. Millions of participants, 82.7 million, like I said, they buy and sell securities in the world markets every day. And this real-time information helps set market pricing. So when we look at a stock price, we can say to ourselves, that's a fair price because who am I? to say that I am smarter than the collective knowledge of everyone. With each trade, buyers and sellers, they bring new information to the market, which helps set prices. And again, no one knows what the next new bit of information will be. The future is uncertain, but the prices will adjust accordingly and will adjust fast. And again, this doesn't mean that the price is always right. There's no way to prove it. But as an investor, I can accept. Here's the big thing. Here's the key point. I can accept the market price as the best estimate of its actual value. Because if you don't believe that market prices are good estimates, if you believe that the market has it wrong, you are pitting your knowledge and hunches against the collective wisdom of all market participants. I mean, I talked already about trying to beat the market, trying to find some new bit or piece of information to figure out whether or not a company is underpriced or overpriced. I mean, how many collective or how many publicly traded companies exist in the United States alone? At the end of 2017, there were 3,616 publicly traded companies. That was according to the Wall Street Journal. I mean, that's it. A little over 3,600. There's almost as many mutual funds and probably more when you include exchange traded funds than there are actual companies. And there are literally a team of really, really, really smart people managing these mutual funds that are pouring over quarterly reports and all of the other information that's available to an investor. I mean, it's a public company. All information is available. So not only do we have all of these mutual fund manager participants we have thousands and thousands of hedge funds and managed accounts. And on top of that, we have millions of individual investors that are buying and selling companies every day. How do we get to 82.7 million trades a day? Because there's millions of participants. And in the United States, they're all going after 3,616 companies. That's it. And they're trading on what they think is new news when the market price is already adjusted to the new, to the new news or, or hunches or familiarity to the company or fears or someone in the cubicle next to them says, I bought this and it's going to go up or it has gone up and you don't want to miss out on the profits, so you go buy. I mean, the title of this is, how do you access the power of the markets? And the answer is except that the prices are fair. Because when you do that, you can forget about all of 
these other people that are running around like crazy trying to figure out what stock is overpriced or underpriced. You don't have to participate in any of that because if you don't waste your time on that and you accept that prices are fair, now, now you can use science to access the market. This is what I tell clients or potential clients of mine. Everything I do with a portfolio is based on science, scientific evidence, all of it. And if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you know that my investment philosophy is based on science, not my opinion, not somebody else's opinion, only science. But you need to take one thing on faith and one thing alone. Everything else can, is embedded in the science. And the one leap of faith that you have to take is that you have to trust that capitalism works. You have to trust that market pricing is fair. You have to have faith that markets work. And if you can accept that, you will have an unbelievable investment experience that will ground you down when times are rough. And then you can spend all of your time accessing the power of the market once you accept that the prices are fair. And when we get to these coming episodes, we're going to talk about once we accept this, now how do we access the power? Because if you don't accept that prices are fair, or if you don't believe that capitalism works, and, and finishing out my point to any prospective client, if your answer is no, that you don't believe that capitalism works, well, you have no business having me as your investment advisor, number one. And number two, you don't have any business in stocks at all, period. Get your money out of stocks. But if you want to access the power of the markets, take the first step. Accept that prices are fair. All right, so you're probably thinking one of three things right now. And the first could be, Scott, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get what you're saying. And if, if you don't, that's okay. It means I didn't do my job. But you certainly can reach out to me, Scott at bestandwealth.com, and just put in the headlines, I don't understand. Free of charge, let's just have a conversation so you do understand this basic principle that I'm telling you, most of the investment community doesn't think is true. But you know, but do you know, do you know why I think it's true? I think it's true because science tells me it's true. Science tells me that. So that's number one. Maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about. Number two, maybe you just don't believe that market pricing is fair. That I look at a stock price and I see that it's 12 bucks and I say that it's fair. Maybe you think, no, 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 no. Scott, you have it all wrong. I can pour over quarterly reports and figure out whether or not a stock price is fair or not fair and trade accordingly. And if that's the case, if that's your investment philosophy, have at it. I'm not here to talk you out of it. 
I will tell you though that the majority of investors that think that way end up with a horrible investment experience. They do not get the return that they deserve for the risk that they're taking. And the last thing you might be thinking is, Scott, I think you're onto something. I think that I do believe markets are fair. I think that you explained it correctly and that my eyes are open now, that there's a whole nother way to look at the market. You know, I didn't tell you yet what to do because we'll get into those in future episodes, but that's your foundation, that market pricing is fair and I trust capitalism. Because when you think that way, now the investment world is open up to you. Now you can have a great investment experience. And we'll get into all of that in the coming episodes. But for now, I got to go. And I'll see you where on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance with compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.